This is Jenny Dietrich, the author of Spin Sucks, and you're listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book, and which has been named by Forbes and LinkedIn, amongst others, as one of the top marketing podcasts. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since I get to read every book featured on the show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or any other resource I know of for whatever challenge you're facing, send me a LinkedIn connection in with a message that you're a listener, and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. All right, let's get on with the show. Today I'm joined by Jenny Dietrich, and we're going to talk about her book, Spin Sucks, Communication and Reputation Management in the Digital Age. Jenny Dietrich is the founder and CEO of Arment Dietrich, a Chicago-based integrated marketing communication firm. Jenny's the author of the award-winning PR and marketing blog, Spin Sucks, which recently turned nine years old, which in internet years is about 90. She is also the founder of the professional development site for PR and marketing pros, Spin Sucks Pro, and is co-author of the book, Marketing in the Round. And she is a co-host of Inside PR, a weekly podcast about communication, social media, and where they all meet and intersect. And... Based on an interview with Tom Webster on his podcast, The Friday Five, I learned that, like me, Jenny has the musical tastes of a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> Jenny, you also have the musical taste of a 13-year-old girl? <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that, yeah. Okay, all right. Congratulations <laughs> on Spin Sucks. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Yes, and in fact, if listeners are interested, they can go to my Spotify, and I have a playlist and it's called Empty Calories, and it Love has it. it has it's 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 your kind of list, Jenny. It's got Spice Girls, Backstreet Boys, In Sync, uh, Millie Vanilli. Nice. Uh, oh yeah! In fact, I was listening to it getting ready for this interview. So <laughs> I'm definitely going to follow that one for sure. Great, great. <laughs> so uh, in the at the beginning, I just wanted to quote one brief passage from the book, and you said. This book is written for business leaders who need to better understand how the industry is changing, what to expect from the PR professionals you hire, and what kind of return you'll have for time and money spent by hiring PR pros. Jenny, why did you call the book Spin Socks? What well, actually has come off of the blog called Spin Sucks, which clearly you have done your le- very last minute research because I just wrote today about it being our ninth birthday, ninth anniversary. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Yeah, and it's sort of, it's the, the book that I've always wanted to write, but I wasn't quite prepared to write it in 2011, which is when I co-authored Marketing in the Round. Plus, I had no idea about the publishing industry, and so co-authoring a book gave me really good knowledge on how to do that. Jeff Livingston is my co-author, and he had published a couple of times before, so he was a really great mentor in terms of how to, to, to go through that process and what kinds of things to expect and what to ask for from a publisher and all that. So after we went through that process in 2013, I decided that I would write Spin Sucks. Um, but what's interesting is, you know, it's only, it came out last year. So it's only a year old, but man, <laughs> right. things still have changed so fast that people will say, I, you know, we were talking about inbound before we started 
recording and somebody said to me, does uh, uh, everything that you've talked here about at Inbound, is it in your book? And I said, no, I mean, it's all so new that none of it's in the book. So I'm going to have to rewrite, write another book, I guess. Well, yeah, maybe there's some things that have come out in the last year, but I think that there's a lot more that is in the book in terms of the way PR is still being done, uh, the way I'm still seeing PR folks doing it. And what was interesting, and it was a, you know, a great primer on the history of PR and how it has changed so dramatically, let's say since 2008. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you take the listener through this big change and, and what brought it about? Sure. The biggest, you know, it's interesting. You look at sort of, what's the word I want? You look at triggers that have happened just even throughout my career, which has started in 97. You know, when, when I started my career, we used what were called the big bacons, the big green bacons books. So it was all of these great big books were published every year that had all of the journalist contact information in them. And they only had to be published once a year because journalists stayed in their jobs forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had these great big green books and you'd go and you'd check it out of the library and you'd make copies of the pages that you needed and then you'd check it back into the library and you'd go back to your desk and you would just start making phone calls. And then, of course, with the advent of the internet and Bacon's eventually went online and became Cision and now you have this way to just mass create your your media list. So that's a, a big, big, big change. But really... What changed it forever is the way that we communicate. You know, it used to be that you would hire a PR firm because of their relationships with journalists. And the PR professional would be the gatekeeper between the executive and the journalist. And now the journalist has direct access to the executive, either through uh, social media or even through email. You know, they, the, the executive may have a gatekeeper in terms of an assistant, but you no longer need that PR professional to have that relationship. And then, of course, you know, there were tons of publications that went out of business in 2008. I remember a really good friend of mine who wrote for USA Today was furloughed and he never went back. You know, so you have, you had all these relationships as a communicator that you built over the years and friends that you made. And now they're joining the dark side and going to the PR for PR firms or PR side and not writing anymore. So all these relationships that you built. So you almost had to rebuild those relationships. But now because of social media, Anybody can have those relationships. You don't have to rely on the, the PR professional. So it's completely upended what we do. Content has, content has changed it. We're now publishers instead of relying on third-party influencers to create our own content. Social media has changed it. Email marketing has changed. We even, as communicators, have become responsible for search engine optimization. So it's completely upended everything. And that's a great way. It's a great way of explaining how the lines between marketing and yeah. advertising and digital and PR are, are all blurring. I can remember. I, I come from an advertising background. I remember the folks on the other floor in the PR. You know, the the big thing they would pitch is you you hire us, you're getting our contacts with journalists, right? You know? Right. And, and they didn't want to share their media list. New. <laughs> that was the secret sauce, and we're just not no because I that media list is going with me to my next PR job. You know, that, right? Right. That well, it'd be thing. like if I'm really good friends with you, and anytime I have something that I think you're going to be interested in, say for this podcast. I come to you and I say, hey, I've got this really interesting idea and you and I kind of 
banter it back and forth. And I'm not going to bring you everything because not everything is, is going to be of interest to you, but you trust me to bring you the right kinds of things. So now I say to my ad colleagues or my client or my executive, oh yeah, go right to him. It's fine. And you're like, why would you do that? That They keep pitching me these stories that are horrible. And now you're mad at me for giving them your contact information. So it's sort of that, you know, I mean, you don't want to you don't want to hurt your own relationships either. Now you're still seeing PR folks with that old muscle memory still trying to do <laughs> fight that old battle. Yes. <laughs> yes. In fact, I'm moderating a panel tonight um, at the Tribune uh, on behalf of Cision, and and there's several reporters on the panel. And that's the one of the questions I'm going to ask: is how often are you pitched by PR professionals in the old way? And just based on my own inbox, I'm going to get, venture to guess they're going to say probably 90% of the emails that they get are from PR pros pitching the old way, which is not the right way to do it anymore. Oh. I saw Mark Schaefer mention, and he's been on the show for two of his books. He talked about how he's been pitched a couple times, and he's a marketing blogger. Right. He's been pitched by window tenting services. <laughs> Uh, and and David Merriman Scott in a keynote, I heard him talk about uh, a similar kind of thing. And it's just just because you can reach out to all these influencers or journalists, the click of a mouse doesn't mean you should. Right. It's kind of like wearing lycra. You know, just because people can wear it. <laughs> I'm totally stealing that analogy. That's awesome. <laughs> there's a, you know, lycra comes with a responsibility. Correct. Uh, yes. And some people say that even still, like I'm a cyclist, so I believe that I can wear it, but mm -hmm. only when I ride my bike. But people still say that you shouldn't wear it. Right. Well, you know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think it's it's the sort of thing where just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. You should. And, you know, just Correct. because you can interrupt people with marketing messages, if you can still figure out a way, <laughs> doesn't mean you still should. Right. It might it might cause more harm. Now, in the book, you talk about the the way forward and you mentioned the only way to build trust and slowly chip away at the bad feelings the general public has about companies is to develop relationships and provide valuable educational information can you explain that to somebody that is still trying to interrupt journalists to get the message out for their clients you know how we all get spam email and we get emails that were added or newsletters that were added to and we never asked to be we never opted into those newsletters and we get frustrated by our own inboxes mm -hmm. you know what i'm talking about right we yeah. all go through this and i and i try to unsubscribe and if they don't do it the second time i hit the spam button and i never see them again or you unsubscribe and then you get 10 more on top of it it's like rabbits <laughs> <You just> keep, <laughs> they keep multiplying but that's the interesting thing to me is we all have that same experience Yet we get behind our computer screens and we add to that same noise. And I don't know if it's, I got to just get it off my to-do list or my executive is telling me I have to do it even if I don't agree with it mm -hmm. or I really don't understand this is the way it's always been done and I don't really have anything that's different or of value and so I'm just going to keep doing it. I don't, or maybe it's a combination of all those kinds of things, but we all complain about all the crap that we get in our inboxes. And then we go to work and we create more crap that goes into more inboxes. And that's what drives me crazy about it because 
Every single one of us has something unique and a different perspective to provide, yet we don't do that because we're afraid of giving away proprietary information, or we're afraid of giving away the secret sauce, or we're afraid of talking about our process because the competitors might steal it. And you know what? They're going to steal it. But the reason it's proprietary or, or your own secret sauce is because of the people inside your organization that are executing it. Nobody's going to do your secret sauce as well as you do. And that that's that kind of stuff is what drives me crazy is we just can't get past this adding to the crap, adding to the noise just because we think we need to send an email to a journalist or to a potential customer or to an influencer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think in a similar way, I, th- I think there's probably sales teams uh, today that are meeting and they're basically replicating that scene out of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, mm-hmm. <laughs> where Alec Baldwin is screaming, always be closing. Always be closing. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. <laughs> Make phone calls, uh. interrupt. Yeah. So, well, it took a while for Copernicus to explain to people that the earth actually rotated around the sun. So, <laughs> you know, keep keep working on it. <laughs> Now, you, you mentioned that some companies say, oh, we don't want to give away our secret sauce. And to that, sometimes I'll say, you don't have any secret sauce, <laughs> nor should you if you did. Right, right. But, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a, I guess, kind of a cop-out. But uh, you talk about the importance of this marathon mentality, which seems to be still not understood as it relates to, to marketing and public relations. Can you explain the marathon idea rather than... I think at the beginning of the book, you talk about the the Oprah silver bullet or something yep, like that yep. versus the marathon. Can you explain uh, that the old and the new thinking? Well, you know, I mean, everybody thinks that you can have overnight success. You can get rich quick. You can lose weight fast. And maybe you can, but it's never lasting, right? I mean, we were just talking about how in Illinois, if you win the lottery, the state is not paying out its lottery winners because the state is is bankrupt. And a woman won like 50 grand or something like that. And she, she went on the news and she said, okay, if you're not going to pay your lottery winners, then why are you selling tickets? But that's a really great example of we, we expect to get rich quick. And then, you know, maybe the state doesn't pay or because we've paid the lot, played the lottery, we're going to be rich really fast and then, you know, sail away onto a, onto a deserted Island. Mm-hmm. But we have the in America, we have this mentality that we can do those things. And the you're exactly right. The story I use in the, in the book is I'm in Chicago, and so people would call me all the time and say, "Can you get me on Oprah?" And I would say, "Have you watched Oprah lately?" Because she's having Tom Cruise jump on her couch. She's not talking about products anymore because she got into a lot of trouble doing that. But it's interesting because people had that mentality that if I could just get on Oprah, all of my sales problems would be solved. Just get me a viral video. We're Thank good. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Or now it's Shark Tank or, you know, whatever it happens right. to be. Let me just go. And people forget that there is no such thing as overnight success. There is no get rich scheme. You, there, you actually have to work for these things. And if you want to lose weight fast, you might be able to do that on a fad diet. But to keep that weight off, you actually have to change your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole point of the marathon mentality is you can't just go out and run 26.2 miles. No one can do that. You have to train for it. Now, some people might be able to train less than others, like – my husband only, when the first marathon marathon we ran together, he only tra- did the long runs on the weekends. And I like followed it exactly, the training program exactly. And I did my 
miles every week and he went out and ran Saturday and then he was done and he ran the marathon and I was like, you big jerk, but whatever. I mean, he, but he still had to train, right? He still had to do the long, the long runs. He didn't just wake up on Saturday and go, hun, I think I'm going to run a marathon today. Right. You can't do that. It's your body is not built for that. And it's the same kind of thing with all of this communication, sales, marketing, all of it. We can't just go out and be like, I think I'd like to be a $10 million business tomorrow and voila, we're on Oprah or we're on Shark Tank or we have a viral video and we've made $10 million. That's mm-hmm. just not how it works. And so that's part of the education is you have to be patient. You have do things happen more quickly now because they're online for sure, but it's not overnight success. Yeah. And you talk about how companies that will come like to your firm and one of the questions you ask is what change is it you're looking for? And you're about to become very transparent. Do you, do you realize right. <laughs> how that might actually require you to make some changes to your business if maybe that's why you're getting so much bad PR? Yeah, you know, it's funny because people will say, oh, they have such a big PR problem. I mean, I, I, know, I always liken this to this Jerry Sandusky thing. Mm-hmm. That was not a PR problem. That was a Jerry Sandusky problem that they didn't get rid of. It has nothing to do with PR. No amount of PR was going to get that school out of having that problem. Mm-hmm. When when you have an operations issue or you have a customer service issue or you have an executive that's doing bad things issue, no amount of PR is going to help you out of that. So you have to change things internally before your PR can be good. Mm-hmm. And to add to that, let's let's talk about the terms issue and crisis are often used interchangeably, mm-hmm. but you say they're not the same. They're not the same. What is the difference? Issue is typically something that you can manage. It's not going to be, it's not going to hurt your the, your your bottom line. It's typically, typically not going to hurt your reputation long-term. It could be something like a customer is upset and tweeting about you. Does it hurt? Does it put you in a panic? Does it put you in a tailspin? Do you have to drop everything and, and uh, attend to it? Absolutely, but it's not going to hurt you long-term. A crisis is something that definitely hurts your bottom line. It hurts your reputation. It, uh, it creates... An operational shift, it is, you know, crisis is Jerry Sandusky. It's Jared Fogel from Subway, the spokesperson for Subway. Mm -hmm. It's those those kinds of issues that became crisis. The interesting thing about an issue is that you can manage it so it does not become a crisis. So if they, if Penn State had said, we suspect that this is going on with Sandusky, we're going to do our own internal investigation, we're going to do this, 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 and this, and they had gotten rid of that before, you know, 20, however long it was, I want to say it was 20 years, but I'm not sure that's right. That wouldn't have become a crisis. It would have been painful for them to come out and say, this is what's going on. We've taken care of it. That would have been painful, but it would not have turned into the crisis that it did. I think that would have even strengthened their relationship they have yeah, with their, their following. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's nipping in the bud. You know, it's never the, it's the, it's not the crime, it's the cover up. I think the politicians uh, Correct. say. Yep. So let's just talk in our remaining time about a very important concept, and you've got a great graphic about this in your book that I'm going to include in the show notes, the four media tops, excuse me, the four tops, the four (laughs) media types. Uh, I'm sorry, I might break into song here. You, You talk about paid media and earned media. They've been around for a while, but there are two new kids in town, owned and shared. Mm-hmm. Can you explain briefly paid, earned, owned, and shared? And that I think that kind of goes back to the earlier discussion about what has changed so dramatically. Sure. 
you paid is is what you your experience is right it's um advertising it's mm -hmm. but from a communications perspective and that's the perspective that i take or the lens i'm looking through is we're looking at it from things that actually cost you some money so we're not going to go out and do a super bowl ad we're not going to do your print ads we're not going to do your trade advertising or your booth displays or any kind of that stuff but what we are going to do is you know any marketing automations that you you because there's an expense to create to building marketing automation there there's that or social media advertising or email marketing there's an expense to those kinds of things so we put that under paid Mm -hmm. Earned is what people tend to think of as PR, which is media relations or publicity. So it's getting your name in lights, having, you know, the bloggers and the journalists all talk about you and saying great things about you. Like all the clients you get on Oprah. Correct. All of the clients I got on Oprah. <laughs> uh, shared is social. And, you know, everybody understands that. It's everything from Periscope and Blab to Twitter and Facebook and everything in between. And then owned is it's content, it's blogging, it's white papers, it's podcasts, it's videos, it's ebooks, it's infographics, it's all the pieces of content that you can create to help tell your story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, I think the more that the, the listeners are, and the PR folks particularly, uh, are conversant in those four, the better for them. You say in the book, organizations that don't figure out how to effectively converge the four media types are at a huge disadvantage. I think so. And I, I still believe that, you know, it's interesting. I'm in Chicago and a lot of the global PR firms are either headquartered here or have big presence here. And it's interesting to watch them. Um, not all of them have figured out. Sure, they all have a content profit center or they have a social profit center, but those profit centers aren't talking to the traditional profit centers. And so, they have a content division and they have a social division and they have a media relations division and they have a corporate communications division and they have a crisis division, but none of those divisions are talking to one another. So they're still working in silos and that's not going to work. You know, I think 10 years from now, they're either going to have to converge or they're not going to be around. And, you know, from an industry perspective, I really don't want to see that happen. No. And I, I you know, Sometimes I want to walk through the halls of businesses like that or maybe go back to where I used to work in New York on Madison Avenue and just say, what exactly are you guys doing now? <laughs> <laughs> just tell me about your day. And particularly on the PR, though, it's just I don't understand how how they can silo those things, but they seem they seem to be doing it. Uh, I was just going to say, I think it. I think it's a function of two things. I think that most clients aren't requiring that convergence yet. There are some really savvy ones like P&G or Kraft that are requiring it. The big, some of the big brands, but even some of the big, the Fortune 50 aren't requiring it yet. So I think it's that. But I also think bigger than that, it's a huge expense and a huge resource loss in order to do that. So essentially, you're having to break down your entire business model that's been around for 50 years or longer and rebuild it. And that means layoffs and it means revenue loss and all these kinds of things. And, you know, it's years. It could be five to seven years of, of rebuilding that before you start to get back to where you were. And I don't think that most public company um, parents want their PR firms doing that. Yeah, it's, you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Mm -hmm. And I think momentum and inertia are the two most, the two strongest forces in the business world. Yep, still. totally agree, yep. There was one 
expression you had in your book, I just loved, and I'm I'm going to be stealing. I'm, I'm actually be stealing quite a bit from your book here, with attribution, of course. Of course, of course. It'll make me sound smarter. You talk about as it relates to communications for a company, remove the French. Ugh. What do you, what does that mean? The we we we. Oh my gosh, nobody cares about you. They want to know what you can do for them. One of my very favorite things to do, especially with a new client, is to, this is not green at all, but to print out all of their um, website pages and then go through and circle the we, the I, the us, the <laughs> our, right. and show them how their website, it talks all about themselves and nothing about the customer. Mm-hmm. And it's like actually a really fun undertaking to change the copy so that it reflects what the customer wants versus what the company wants. It's it's pretty fun to do if that's if you're sick and like to to do those kinds of things. But it, it's really it's a really interesting process to look at that and just really figure out, wow, we really talk about ourselves. Even the About Us page on every single website in the whole world, totally about a company, not about what they can do for the customer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's wrap up with a couple questions that are popular with the listeners. Are there any recent marketing or PR books you've read that you recommend? Yes, brief. <laughs> it's a it's a book about saying less um, and really how to make your point without you know having to go on and on and on and on. One of my favorite stories in the book is the whole "Hey, do you have a minute?" and then a minute turns into two hours, <laughs> and we've all experienced that. So it's, it talks it talks you through how to get get away from all of that and really to be brief so that you can focus on being productive and getting your job done and having the elusive work life balance. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, Jenny, do you have a lot of people that say, hey, Jenny, um, can I just pick your brain for a minute? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm being led into this question. (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) Well, it sounds like that's a similar sort of thing. It's a very slippery slope, and it's usually a a friend, and it's like, oh, gosh. Yep. Are there any marketing books, sales, PR, that you're looking forward to reading that are maybe on the nightstand? Um, yes. Uh, Content Inc. Joe Polizzi's new book. I have not read it yet. It's a great one. Is it? You read it? Yeah, I read it. And well, he, they sent me a copy. He was just on the um, podcast. We just published, published his interview. But to the listener, that does not absolve you from buying his book and reading it. No, I need to buy his book and read it. It really, it's a great book. And very different from Epic Content Marketing, his last one. Really? Okay, yeah, because I originally I thought, oh, another book from Joe. It's like, no, <laughs> completely, completely different. Talks about how these entrepreneurial organizations and startups, they're building an audience mm-hmm. before they build a product. So ah, interesting. You know, like Copy Blogger and yep. Brian Clark yep. wrote the the intro, but it's a perfect example. And he shows lots of other companies uh, that are doing that. So, Jenny, how can listeners find out more about you and your book? We'll make sure to have links to everything you say. The easiest place is spinsucks.com. Okay, very good. The name of the book is Spin Sucks Communication and Reputation Management in the Digital Age. The author is Jenny Dietrich. Jenny, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. If you are one of the hundreds of listeners who have left an iTunes review, please let me return your kind favor by mailing you some Marketing Book Podcast bookmarks and laptop stickers. Just send me your mailing address anywhere in the world and I'll drop it in the mail. And remember the words of the entrepreneur, author, and motivational speaker Jim Rohn, who said, Formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune.